in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Okay. Good morning, Jose. How are you? Good afternoon, Mordecai. I'm doing good. All right. Well, I'm catching you at the top of the morning for you. So we're going to, we're going to say good morning to you while you're drawing your cup of coffee. I'm going my afternoon pick me up cup. Uh, I'm sorry we missed international coffee day. That was yesterday. I think it was. Um, just missed it. I just missed it, but all right, we'll still enjoy a good cup of coffee together. So while we're, <laughs> while we're drinking cups of coffee together, I just wanted to ask a few questions, see how things are going. First time that we're actually talking to each other, not on Twitter or you know, 280 characters, but let's see how, uh, let's see th- how things go and we'll take it from there. So I generally do is instead of just introducing who I'm talking to and instead of just you know, having a whole biography, I just kind of go into it and hopefully that's really a much more fun, interesting way to talk and get through things. And we'll kind of weave through your experiences, your biography, uh, professionally, personally, whatever it is, uh, into the into the conversation. So I noticed something that you did recently, which is a tweet that I can't believe that people haven't noticed this before, but you, to- you tweeted something about business writing 101 that you kind of gave like basically, I'd say about eight or nine bullet points uh, that are really the most important. And you said that everyone here should really memorize it. What's so important about these eight things you wrote, shorten your sentences, make your point fast, shorten the introduction, use simple words, add graphs and statistics, no buzzwords, use more periods, fewer commas, write for skimming, not reading, bold the main takeaways. Why do you think that these are like the main components? Oh, Mordecai, I think you'd just be so surprised of how many people just don't do this every day. I think um, if, you just, if you just get some emails from, um, from folks you're working with, you'll see that um, they don't shorten their sentences. They don't make the point fast. And you have to go dig deep within an email to get quickly to what the action item is, actually is. So I just thought it was just a simple, short, short but effective list. It wasn't me that came up with that list. It was someone else who, who tweeted that out originally and it got a lot of engagement. I thought, you know, I need to, to share this with my followers and, um, and I saw that other people found it valuable as well. That was me, sorry about that. Okay, so, so you're, a simple, effective communication, that seems to be like your mantra here. And also I see, I see recently that you're working now a lot more with ghostwriting, you're doing social media and uh, you do social media specialist for you're currently doing with Abbott under contract. Uh, you were doing it with under Adobe as well. So that obviously gives you a, a hand, like a, like an upper hand on being able to be an effective communicator in short, whether it's witty, snarky, smart, you know, mm-hmm. points. What is it that you find that people miss when they don't do things like that? What What is that like? What is it when they we're not when they're not effective? What happens to in your experiences? And you know you've had such a nice broad range of experiences here. What is your what What happens? I think you lose attention. I think people just don't care because it's it's so hard to get the crystal clear point of what you're trying to say or what the humor is or what the snarky comment is. It's not there because it's so buried in words. 
And, and, and I guess this comes from a place, Mordecai, where I wasn't always the best writer. Growing up, I hated writing papers. I would um, do anything I can to recycle old, long papers I've done in college into multiple classrooms and teachers would find out and get mad at me. I did the same and, thing. <laughs> so so I guess what I found was less is more. I think the reason I got into social media is because the whole point of it was to make it the copy almost as short as possible, at least early on, so that it's easier and more snackable um, to consume online. And so I guess there's just, just a special place in my heart for these ethics for writing, these the one-on-one rules for writing, because it's like, they ring true to me and it makes all of our lives easier. And so what, what do you uh, prefer in terms of the communication style that when someone's short, brief, whatever it is, what is it that you prefer about wh what kind of, kind of, what's your angle on that short, brief comment? Is it bullet points? Is it graphs? Is it everything all at once? Or do you, how do you, you know, pitch that? You, I, you know, I, what I've been on lately is more periods less commas. So I, I had the bad habit of just trying to continue a sentence by adding a comma. And it, it's just, it's easier just to let the, the, um, the, the, the sentence breathe a bit. And really where I got that from in terms of my writing style was there's this morning newsletter that I subscribed to called The Morning Brew. Yep. They are so good at that kind of writing style. All their sentences for the most part are pretty short. They don't try to do run on sentences. And it's very much like, um, it just, it, you, you, it's easy to read in the morning. The yeah. first thing you see, it's just very much, very condensed and to the point, kind of like what we're talking about. Yeah, that's exactly, I mean, I actually interviewed one of the people from their business development team a couple of weeks ago. He was amazing. Wow. Um, he was, he, he actually was talking more about like the concept of connect, connect, collecting dots and putting pieces and putting parts of your story together. But he, he also, I happen to think I saw, I picked up on them about a year ago already. And I love the fact that now I sent it to my wife and she was just like, this is, you know, it's, they're not doing anything new because the content they have is not their own. It's really mostly existing content. None of it. Mm -hmm. It's just that what they're doing is just giving like a new spin to it and then sending you out to some other article that exists out on the, you know, in the internet, which is, makes it even more interesting because most people would say is, well, we don't need to reread or if I'm looking for an article, let's say fast company, why can't I just find it? Because most of the time people don't and they, you know, the introduction and that commentary in the beginning is what really makes the person interested. So mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, I really, I, I think these are like, you know, I would, I wish we could like, you know, maybe even frame it should start doing that. <laughs> um, so you mentioned something sort of, you know, you mentioned right, that you follow the, you know, morning brew. I happen to think their entire team does a really good job in tweeting and like being active all around. What about your top Twitter people that you're really trying to follow in terms of learning from, style, you know, their insights, whether it's companies, brands, people, what is it? Yeah, so um, I would say the top, maybe the top three people or two or three that come to mind, I think one is Morning Brew, like we just talked about, but I think even above that, um, that channel, it would be Miri Rodriguez. She is a, a close family friend of mine and a, a longtime mentor of mine. Um, and she's just brilliant. She's always putting out gems and gold out there um and so highly recommend you follow her she's she's a storytelling expert and an author and she also um uh, is the h basically the global head of internships at microsoft so she's brilliant and then you know i think in terms of like the the third spot for the top three it would be different ceos that um i kind of like uh 
just admire. Um, a couple months ago, the Slack CEO, I'm forgetting his name right now, but he tweeted out all of his thinking, almost like in real time, <clears throat> excuse me, of what he is, uh, what, what his company is going through when COVID happened and Slack usage went up through the roof. So he, he put out a long thread of basically some, almost like internal numbers of how much the, the company was growing, how much, how much usage they got um, almost overnight. And I, that kind of level of transparency and value that you just get from 280 characters on a, in a tweet at a time is, I think it's just um, invaluable. It's almost like, how, we, how, we, how is this free to us? And so I, I'm forgetting his name, but we can find him later. The Slack CEO, follow him on Twitter. He will put out really good value. So the answer is Stuart Butterfield. Uh, That's it. There's your answer. Thank you. So, no problem. So I, I happen to like the fact that you follow not only a brand, you find those, you know, a friend, Miria, I happen to know that we spoke to her. I've actually, I think uh, she's a mutual friend of ours. I've spoken to her several times. I actually met with her once on a call. I spoke to her on a call once. Of course, I didn't, I, my mistake, I didn't record it, uh, but she was talking. <laughs> Um, we just spoke about, you know, what her view and my view on empathy and all those kind of things, which was great. Uh, her book is somewhere in my in-laws house in America. It should be waiting for me at some point. Um, and then, yeah, she actually, she and I actually met over Twitter because of, um, the Microsoft sweater that they gave out last year at their Christmas party that I thought was awesome. And I said, I would wear it. And then, of course, they, they ran out by the time we were talking about it. But whatever. <laughs> Long story. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So that, uh, that, was, that, was, uh, that was a little funny. But anyway. So when you moved, um, you know, I'm always, uh, my focus is always about how the brand, you know, empathy in general, but really how the brand focuses on the people, whether it's internal or external, meaning the customer or the employee. You mm -hmm. recently on board, you know, started working at, at Abbott. And well, you obviously it's a contract that might be different and you're working, you worked at, at Adobe. So, you know, their onboarding process. I'm not necessarily looking to knock it or whatever it is, but especially with the pandemic and everyone's, you know, trying to onboard, you know, there's expanding. A lot of companies are expanding despite what we hear. There are people expanding and looking to get these kind of contract, you know, employees. Mm -hmm. What is that process like? Are they really thinking about the customer, you know, the end user being you? Uh, are they looking about it, looking at it in the right way? How is that process going? That's a great question, Mordecai. So in full transparency, Adobe, because I was a contractor as well, I didn't necessarily go through their formal um, onboarding process there either. It was very much kind of like, all right, here's your laptop. Let's just, let's get to work. A lot of it was, I was working for my own laptop for two weeks because I was moving there from Florida at the time. And so there's that, right? Like, it, it's funny how we, we can think that like, uh, just because a Fortune 100 or Fortune 500 company has this big brand about it, that they're, they're, all their employees are going to have the same experience, but that's not always the case. And, and you know, it's funny, I just, I kind of owned it. And, um, and it's similar to in Abbott as well. You just, you just own the process and um, you take it as you go. So at the time, so Abbott's interesting because um, I was spending some time uh, traveling and I still am. I'm, during COVID, I'm, I'm kind of taking the time that we have uh, working remotely. And my two best friends and I basically put a temporary stop on our lease in San Francisco where we're from. And we decided we were gonna spend the rest of the COVID season 
um, working remotely. Well, I mean, at least we, we were already doing that in San Francisco over jobs moving to remote. But we wanted to not just spend our time kind of cooped up in a tiny 800 square foot apartment. We wanted to take the time to really live our lives and go travel to unique corners of the US while working remotely and just kind of enjoying life as much as we can while this is happening. We just didn't want to put a pause on life. We wanted to keep it going. So where, before, so, you, before you continue your answer, where have you been so far? Yeah, it's a great question. So, um, so, so far I've been to Oregon, Washington, Indiana. Um, we did a quick stop by Chicago. And then we spent a month in Utah. Um, so we went to Salt Lake, Heber City. Um, just like we stayed in a small town, but we, we, we did some exploring all over Utah. Highly recommend Utah. Beautiful place. It's like a hidden gem in the United States. I've been living here since I was born, and, and I never realized how, how amazing it is. Um, and then now, I'm, um, <coughs> excuse me, I am speaking to you from Cape Coral, Florida. So we're spending the next month here now in South Florida, um, Southwest Florida. And uh, it's been amazing. Who knows what will go next? We we just we're just kind of taking it as it goes, and you're just and like finding Airbnbs and stuff like that. And you're just that's like exactly right. So we find Airbnbs, or we find like if they're hosted on a different website, we will just kind of skip out on the Airbnb fees and right. work directly with them and see how we can negotiate and get a good deal for a month or or longer. And we just have really good filters in terms of what we're looking for. It's for the three for the three of us. It's like we want our own bedrooms, we want our own bathrooms. We want a pool jacuzzi like those are non-negotiables for us right. and so um and and it, it's been kind of working out so far it has its ups and downs it's not always easy planning this out i for one hate doing like the planning for going from place to place and what i found in the last the last um spot that we were moving to from utah to florida that if you just wait to the last minute everything just kind of is more expensive and more of a headache for everyone so that was a knock on that was a that was my bad when i when i realized that i was like yeah we're, we're gonna have to pay for a 500 dollars flight from utah to, to fort myers because there's nothing else available um anyways the, the point of me saying that is because at the time um when i was uh when i was starting with abbott i was in indiana at the time and we were staying at a, a friend's lake house and so we obviously just needed um, the the Wi-Fi, but also the before kind of before they um, even coordinated with me, like the between the recruiters and 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 at the company itself, um, it just kind of kind of got lost in translation that I wasn't like my mailing address is not the same as where I am right now. And so and so um, they, the, the the work laptop was shipped over on my first week or the week, the weekend before my first week to say like my mailing address in San Francisco. And I was like, Hey, you guys need like to, it was like a miscommunication, but I was like, you guys need to just check in with me so I can give you the right address. And now we're going to need to overnight this. And anyways, I basically missed the first day of work. It was, it was, it, I own it in a sense that it was miscommunication that I could have like prevented, but it was, that's basically what happened. I apologized to my manager, my boss, um, they were very gracious about it. And then within the, the second, the, later that week, by Thursday, I got my laptop. I was just working on my personal one. And we just got off to a kind of a bumpy start. But I can say now, um, six weeks in, it's been great. It's like we're at, we're at full power right now in terms of and all, they, all, they, all, they, all cylinders they, are firing. Do they take into consideration, like, the understanding that you're, you know, you, yes, you're traveling, but people are working mm -hmm. from home. Do they consider that kind of putting, I mean, they are a fortune, you know, they're a big company, no mm -hmm. small, no small amount. Do they take into consideration people have different issues of balance in terms of working from home as opposed to working in an office where they could be a little bit more, you know, quote unquote controlling? 
Yeah, it's a great question, Mordecai. I would say coming from a tech company like um, like at Adobe, the, the philosophies and even some of the ways of thinking are very different. Um, so Adobe is Adobe. It's just like this creativity powerhouse. It's, it's focused on tech. It's roots are in tech. Abbott's very different. Abbott comes from um, the, the, the healthcare industry and it's specifically the, the division I'm in is the medical device um, uh, in, industry. It's, it's for our freestyle Libre products. So the diabetes products. And um, it, it's, it's kind of like uh, a, a new startup tech company feel, but it's kind of has its roots in its legacy in, in healthcare. And healthcare naturally is very, very regulated. It's just a very different philosophy. So they're naturally a little bit more protective. They're a little bit more um, almost uh, risk adversive. Everything is kind of, we just have to check with the right people. And even if it's the smallest thing, we want to make sure that it's, it's legally uh, um, within regulation. And so that philosophy also carries in into even just how they, the, 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 the field onboarding. Because if things go wrong, we, they want to make sure that, you know, everything's still okay. Like we're, we're, we're still going to, you know, we're still working together. And so that, that my distinction here is, you know, whereas, Adobe can be more um, like this is a walk in the park for them. People have been working from home forever. Abbott's kind of still getting used to the idea, uh, although we've been doing this for, since March. They've been doing this since March. And um, it, it's, it may not be their default for them, like I said. Like you, you said it best, like it's, it's usually kind of, they're more used to working in the office where a company like Adobe, it's like second nature. Right. And so what is it about what when, when you're trying to craft content now you know you're in a position where you're like the front line you're the mm -hmm. front line of the person you know you're, you're you're the bridge between the company the brand and you've you've gotten their culture you've kind of gotten accustomed it's six weeks in you've gotten accustomed to their um culture and now you have to do is take that hesitancy or let's call it their more you know cautious approach mm -hmm. using social how are you taking that and saying it's okay how are we going to pass that out to our our customers our you know the, our our fans what is the and i'm not asking for your kpis because that's something else but what is it like that that messaging that's going to be out there that's going to be careful and planned out and yet at the same time using empathy in the right way no it's, yeah it's a great question um so my role at abbott is basically community moderation so it's basically responding to the various inquiries questions comments that we get across our um, Abbott Freestyle um, are three Abbott Freestyle global channels and um, they they get like hundreds I would say hundreds of inquiries a day and um, my role is to basically sit through and approve um, responses that are, that are approved by our regulatory and approved by our legal um, departments and that also makes sense in a social friendly way that fit, fit the requirements. So these are kind of pre-approved responses that have been crafted and kind of massaged for social media. And uh, the goal here, what I've, what I've noticed now a little bit more than a month or so in, um, now six weeks in, is that sometimes you, you got to be the, um, the advocate for the customer. Sometimes they're going to be asking for a question or they're, they're going to be asked a question that's not already in, our, in the list of pre-approved responses that we have, or some of it may be, but it's not fully answering, answering the question. And so what you do is you basically triage it with the right folks internally and see if it requires something that 
it, like you submit another response to in legal to for it to be reapproved and, and go ahead and 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 respond to this customer now mind you that while this is happening the customer hasn't heard back from us because we're still kind of figuring out what we want to do um that's not always the case sometimes we just you know you probably know this mordecai there's holding messages there's um there's uh there's different ways to, to communicate to, to customers at, at scale but i think the point here is that i'm finding that i i, I can't just um think about this from a, from an approved faq perspective of of like what's approved by regulatory what's approved by legal but i also have to be the advocate I have to think with empathy when it comes to responding to um, our customers online. That's awesome. And so you're really trying to be, you know, th that bridge and you're trying to come up with some good responses that make sense in terms of the information, but also at the same mm -hmm. time, you want to be you're trending or kind of like making sure that you're with the time. Have you mm -hmm. ever found already in your experiences and whether it's here uh, with Abbott, Adobe, whatever it is, experiences where you're like, Maybe we should be doing something changing. I was just talking yesterday um, that sometimes people, you know, there's there's point where the social media manager wants to do something and they're like, we should be doing this. And then the company, whether it's because they're behind closed doors and they don't really care, they just come up with some crazy ideas or it's because they actually, you know, don't know that they you know, there's like this gap, there's like gap between what you want to do and what they really should be doing in terms of just becoming a little bit more, you know, with the times. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's actually one of my big projects within Abbott is taking going through all those FAQs that um, that we were just talking about. It's like it's hundreds and hundreds of approved um, responses. Some of them um, may need approval soon. And it, it, this, this is kind of like the, the the admin work of being a community manager. And in addition to that, I have to go through and see, you know, what what actually does it does it still make sense to respond to this? Does it still make sense to to use this, is this is this still social friendly in the sense that like is it going to fit the character counts and etc. So, yeah, that's that's definitely something that I'm I'm working on, and I'm I'm learning along the way because here's here's the thing, Mordecai. A month ago or so, I had no idea um, this much work went into uh, into just crafting responses for uh, for on behalf of a medical device company, right? Like, it, it, it's just because they have to be so careful. It's a highly regulated company, like they're, um, or not a company, but the industry itself is highly regulated. They can't just um, take creative liberty in every response that we make. It has to be, our claims have to be um, approved and they have to be backed up by our, our clinical research and studies. So it's just, it's a lot of fun. I'll be, I'll be honest, it's, it's fun because it's, I'm learning so much so quickly, but it's, it could be stressful sometimes. Yeah, so, when, so then now it sounds to me like you're moving in the direction of we have to be even, you know, what might be timely and trending right now, mm -hmm. by the time you get all the information and get all that, you know, coverage and get all the approvals, it may already say as well, maybe it's not relevant anymore. And then we kind of have to move on and say, you know what, it's better to be right on point you know and poignant versus trying to be you know trending and making you mm -hmm. know, some sort of mistake along the way and that's what i found mordecai like for some for some brands being trendy is not as important to them it doesn't it, it's not part of their brand voice it's not part of their voice in general and social or, or in any of their messaging and and that's okay that's 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 who they decided to be this is part of their they build a brand that's particular in this way and if it's not necessarily keeping up with all the the uh the trends on on social that's totally fine in some cases right so i i think that makes a lot of sense and it really it kind of really points to a, a more like you know back to the beginning of our conversation which is really to be 
you know, a simple, effective communicator, which is to know your audience really well and know who you're representing when you're, especially with social media, you know, whether it's on contract or consultant, you mm -hmm. have a lot of different voices. You have your own personal voice, you have your brand voice, you also have the voice that you hope to get to one point, at one point for the brand. And you have to make sure that you're, you know, towing the line correctly and not, you know, pushing it too far because you're really representing something that's much larger, like, you, like Abbott, like you said, is a, is a medical device company and you don't want to mm -hmm. misrepresent them. So, you know, so I had a question because you mentioned something about, um, you know, my favorite thing to do about people to get to know them a little bit is to kind of see who, where they, what they tweet and what they kind of mention. And you mentioned recently that you had some weird ads on reach on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and so what are the, some of those weird ones that you've gotten that kind of get you, you know, going, it, I know it's not necessarily the right direct segue to the pre previous question. <laughs> what, what, is, what is it about that? And we'll get to another question, which is a little bit more broad scope. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, maybe you're referring to like some of the DMS and stuff I get yeah. like, yeah, I, you know, bots and stuff on Instagram are the weirdest thing. They're so annoying. I think yeah. almost every day I get another email or, or email, um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking so funny right now. I, I, I get another um, DM that's under my like request like um, button or um, folder or whatever you want to describe, however you want to describe it. But it's it's basically either another group chat um, that I, that's been created. It's like a spammy group chat, and it just sends a, a, a link to some sort of spam, or it's like a direct message from like clearly a clearly fake account zero posts barely any followers like a couple like maybe five followers and and no 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 one like they're following maybe a lot of people or maybe nobody and so that's like inter internet red flag social media red flag from the very beginning you just don't want to get any of that and i'm always getting those there's just i don't know why they're targeting me like what did i sign up for that is is, is sending me all these weird dms on social media so if you're out there and it was you. Please stop sending me those DMs. <laughs> so now we're going to go back to something that you mentioned, which is another tweet that I love. And I think this one is like goes back to our, you know, things that we should print out and and leave on our board. I do that sometimes. I highlight and pick them up and print mm -hmm. them out. And you said something about, <clears throat> excuse me, leadership. You mentioned, you quoted or you retweeted, leadership is not about a person or a title. Leadership is about service. Uh, you know, going back to what we started at the beginning is, you know, how we communicate as leaders, our people that we represent. But what is it about that, you know, that you, what's that quality that you, I mean, we also spoke about, you know, you spoke about the CEO of Slack and how they really were, so, he was so transparent about what's going on and, you know, the jump and the uptick going on during the pandemic. What is it about the quality that you admire most about those leaders that kind of says, that's where I want to get to? I saw one, you know, recently on Ad Week, which I was just like, I'm still, I listened to this. I probably listened to this recording once a day uh, by Antonio uh, Lucio, I believe is his last name. Is yeah, Lucio, Antonio Lucio from I'm pronouncing it right. From he used to be the C e CMO of Facebook International, the global you know director of, of Facebook, and he, on his last day of working as a CMO, over 40 years, he wrote he gave this beautiful four, you know 30 minute masterclass uh, for. Wow for ad week for the brand week, you know, ad weeks, brand week. Um, it's an amazing recording. It's just so filled with great things. So he's like someone I, you know, reach out and kind of strive for. What are those kind of qualities that you're looking for in terms of what you're looking for as a leader, as a, you know, saying, I'm looking for that. I'm, he I'm hearing from them. 
Sure. Yeah, that's a great question, Mordecai. So that quote that leader, leadership is not about a person or a title, leadership is, is about service, is actually from um, a, a pastor friend of mine from San Francisco. He's actually the, the uh, his name is Brendan Brown. He's the um, campus pastor for Hillsong San Francisco. He's kind of like was the, it was the church, he was leading the church that I was going to when we were there, um, physically at least. And then uh, he also is a chaplain for different sports teams, um, he, he's actually from Australia originally. And, um, he, I guess he's a good example because he embodies, um, this, this quote that he sent out very well. And what it is, is the, the, the quality, one, at least the one quality that I admire most about those types of leaders is that they, um, take the time to, um, kind of, uh, what's the best way to describe this? They, they bring up the next generation. And what I mean by that is they, take the time to find other uh, leaders with potential similar to themselves, or just kind of, they kind of call out the gold in them. And, it, and it's so impactful that it changes the rest of their lives because it's like, it's not, it's not forced. It's not, it's not disingenuous. It's actually like, you know, this person, man or woman is actually like a really good leader. They have so much potential. I'm going to do what I can to mentor and grow that person and then watch them like, take like spread their wings and fly and that's exactly what brendan does to, to the folks that are under him and i think that's one of the best qualities you can do with any in any setting not just in the church world but like in the business world um you want to find folks that um are have a similar ambition or drive to you and have there's something different or special about them and you want to um bring the bring those qualities out you want to grow them you want to take the rough edges out and i think there's been a lot of people in my life that have done that for me and and, and i still have so much growing to do but i i would say that like the reason i'm, I'm just kind of doing what i'm doing today and, and doing jobs um uh doing work doing uh, doing with with people that i really like and, and admire is because folks in the past have kind of drawn out this gold in me that hey jose you can actually be a really good leader in business in the future you can actually be a good leader in, in in terms of social media marketing or writing or whatever you end up doing um you just need to work on these couple things and i, I mean i love that it's just so practical i love i love that the fact that you're bridging the, the idea of a service and taking it and I, I often define that the real leaders you know find those things that you're really good at and they're able to just like you said like bring them out and allow you to shine in those spaces and mm -hmm. then you you alone will you know kind of move around the things that are less positive about you and you'll just allow yourself to shine better so, mm, so true it, it's you're looking at your career you're kind of still you know you you mentioned you've got a lot to grow we all have a lot to grow but mm -hmm. what, is, what is it about the softer skills about you know the like the call the empathy sometimes the soft skills how is it how has it helped you has it sometimes you know been a little bit harder you know made, made it challenging for you how has that helped in terms of your success or what you're looking to do Oh, that's such a great question, Mordecai. I would say one person that comes to mind for, in this question is Ronnie Mani. I'm sure you know her. She's the head of social influencer enablement at Adobe. She's my former boss. And she is like a soft skills, um, empathy, and communication guru. I think if, if you have any sort of interaction with her, you just know that she immediately lights up the room and she um, makes you almost feel better about yourself after, after speaking with her. And I, I just remember that my, in my two years under her leadership, that stuck with me. Like, how can I speak confidently and with empathy and um, in a way that's genuine, but also um, tactful? Like, it, it's, it's used to get work done. It's used to, to move the ball forward. And Ronnie really did that really well. Something about the way that she just used um, humor. She used um, 
uh, her really her authority is as a leader, her her credibility, and she used uh, really. Um, I think it's it really is empathy, being able to empathize with other people who are uh, who, so, so she knows what their goals are career-wise. So she knows what their their uh, what their business goals are for their line of business. That, all, she put all that together in a communication package that is it's just it's just unrelenting. It's just hard to explain. And I think that, that's that soft skill, seeing her how she does it, um, seeing how she moves the ball forward without being necessarily like someone who uh, you don't want to be around right like we've all been around people who yeah they move the ball forward but they're just not fun to work with ronnie moves the ball forward ronnie gets things done and her team gets things done and she, you still want to work with her because she's she's awesome um the, those soft skills have definitely helped me in terms of my success in just other in every area of my life not just business but just in, in communication friendships all that stuff it's super important i think um maybe in the past um any sort of soft skills that maybe have hurt me, which is this is an or hindered me in terms of my success. This this is an interesting question. Um, I would say, hmm, I think just I think sometimes I the lack of being able to say no um, in a way that's respectful or confident. I think that definitely has hindered my 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 success in the past. Just being too too available sometimes could just be just hurtful because you're just not putting your time into the things that you really care about. Now I say that with the caveat Mordecai that sometimes the best opportunities come from left field. They come from, um, you know, things that you didn't know would, would lead you to what you were doing. Like, so just saying yes to things that maybe you otherwise don't want to do. Sometimes those things can really help you. But I think in the past I made the personal mistake of, you know what, I'm just being, too gracious with my time being too open. I need to take a step back and focus on things that really matter to me. That's awesome. So my last question, you mentioned already that you're a big traveler and I saw, you know, I, I <laughs> love when I love to live vicariously through people who travel like myself. I mean, travel obviously before what was going on now, but you know, big places, some of the favorite places that you've traveled besides just the ones that you've done during the recent, you know, pandemic and the other places that you've just said, these are the places that just, you know, keep it, you're, you're just, this is where I want to be, places that are inspiring. What kind mm -hmm. of place like that? Well, before I answer that question, Mordecai, how many countries have you been to? I've been to, I've been to China. I've been to Australia. I've been to New Zealand. I've been to, wow. uh, I know we'll call Europe as one big country, right? I guess <laughs> yeah, I can tell you, I mean, I've been to, within Europe, I've been to, um, let's see, we've been to, uh, yeah, where have we been? Uh, we've been to uh, France. I've been to England, been to, uh, where else have I been? I've been to Barcelona. I've been to Copenhagen. Mm -hmm. uh, where else? That's about it. Then we went, I've, I've been to uh, the United States, Canada. Mm -hmm. I've been to Argentina when I was really young. don't remember much. I was in Belize. Wow. I was in Belize. Wow. That was awesome. For, was it for a cruise or something? Or? Oh, it was actually, no, it was we, we uh, a couple of years ago, my family, and we decided we we're going to do some crazy trip between you know, my, our family, my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and their children. So we kind of, we did a tri crazy trip where we said, we want to go somewhere that none of us have ever been to. Priced mm -hmm. right in terms of the flights and everything. Seems mm -hmm. good. And we could be together and spend time as a family. And we just kind of like randomly went through all the different possibilities. And in terms of distance, you know, distance, where can it be that would still make sense for us to get there and whatever it was. Everything put together. 
and we ended up in Belize. It was absolutely, you know, we went and we didn't go to like the, the touristy places. We stayed literally in the middle of a rainforest in a place like it was a six cabin. So we had the whole place to ourselves. Just wow. Yeah, you know, it's unbelievable. It's really sounds, unbelievable. Sounds incredible. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering because I wanted to see like kind of how in the number of countries have you been to? Are you like in the late teens? Are you in the 20s? And so, um, so yeah, I know. it's a little bit of both. I've been to some crazy countries, also like on stopovers. There was once when we were starting flying to Australia, New Zealand. I don't remember which one. We had to stop <laughs> to get gas on the on the plane, so you stopped in this really random. It's called the Rorotonga Islands, like literally the middle of it's wow. like it's like the middle. All you have there is a landing station, refueling station, <laughs> and some lady on the ukulele playing. When you get there, that's about all you get. <laughs> that's so cool. I, I want to visit that stopover <laughs> island one day. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So speaking of stopovers, stopovers, my my father actually is a longtime aviation industry uh, mechanic. So he's been working for Southwest for many years. And so growing up, our family had access to travel benefits where we either fly for free or fly, fly for a very discounted rate. And because of that, um, I was I've been traveling since I was a kid. Things like I've just been fortunate enough to do that. Since so since I was one one years old, I was going to Costa Rica to visit my my dad's family and my, and my dad's parents. So that that being said, I've been to close to twenty five different countries, twenty four, twenty five, and I, I would say pre pandemic. I mean, I would still I still want to go there anyways. But even now, but pre pandemic, I would say Croatia, Dubrovnik, Croatia was my favorite um, European kind of like uh, stop that I've done. Um, I, we did a family cruise one th through the Mediterranean and that was, that was kind of like a, a stop. And I would say uh, now during the pandemic um, for the, my US friends, the US listeners here who are um, listening to this in the US, uh, I, would, I would highly recommend Utah, like I said earlier, or even um, just, just get in a car and do a road trip somewhere because you know, God knows that we are probably stuck, like sick of being stuck in our houses and it's good just to get out and get some fresh air and for your sanity sake, just get some, some green forest around you, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So we, got, we talked about business being, you know, being on point, simple, effective communication. We talked about being, you know, emp uh, being empathetic about your work with as a brand, both as a more of like, you know, kind of culturally and, you know, creatively, uh, flourishing kind of brand like Adobe, but one of, while at the same time allowing for some creativity within Avid, which is important too. And we also learned about leadership, which I think is a great way to kind of really, you know, put it all together, which is that you, when the, the person who's going to do a service to the next generation or the person who's going to do a service as a leader is going to be the person who listens, communicates effectively both to people above them or kind of like whatever you want superior to them and people below them to allow them to bring them up. So is there anything else that you're just like, you know, I really am working on project that you're just like, I would love to work on this now that I'm, you know, I'm traveling during the pandemic, which is awesome. Yeah. Is there anything else that you're kind of saying is like, these are my next couple of goals in the next couple of, you know, weeks, months? Yeah, that's a great question, Mark. I thank you for asking that. I would say the, the one thing that's top of mind for me right now is um, adding on onboarding more clients to my executive ghostwriting consulting business. What so kind of are you looking for? So I, I particularly look for um, execs in, based in Silicon Valley or in tech in general, and, um, and that need help with their Twitter and their LinkedIn just ghostwriting. So they're just basically managing their social media for them. So if you're an exec listening to this and you are, are struggling with, the, uh, with finding the time to actually post on 
on on LinkedIn or Twitter, or you you want to you know build your your um, your personal brand online, I would love to help you. So I've helped multiple clients at Adobe and at Udacity, um, and I, I would actually would like to continue growing that business on my end and also supporting these execs with their online goals as well. That's awesome. That's a great way. And your project work by by hour, by project. What does it work by? Like a. That's a great. That's that's a great question. It's it's so it's by hour. It's usually an hourly rate. Well, cool. All right. Awesome. So Jose, first of all, I want to say thank you for taking out the take away. You know, taking out the time, carving it out. I know we had a little rescheduling issue. Uh, so thank <laughs> you so much for that. I really want to thank you for being so quickly. Uh, you know, simple, effective. It was really great. I learned a lot. Um, what I you know, so I just want to say thank you so much again, and we will. I look forward to seeing how you, you know, kind of take what you've learned already in your short career and kind of mm -hmm. bring it out into the next step. So I really appreciate that. And uh, thanks again. No, thank you, Mordecai. The pleasure is mine. And, and I want to say you are so good about bringing um, value and giving value to folks like first, like that's your first thing to do. And, and thank you so much for just giving me the opportunity to, to join you today. Awesome. All right. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.